When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into another episode of The Hard Foul. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler. With me as always, back from Starkville, from Stark Vegas. Not quite triumphant, but I imagine it was a good trip. Colin Taylor of Gamecock Central. Yeah, I had a good barbecue sandwich. I got to sit, or not a sandwich, I got a Hattie B's hot chicken sandwich. Oh, nice. Uh, Hattie B's. Then I had barbecue, and we stopped and had this great meal in Atlanta on the way back. So for me, great trip. That's Great really good. Trip, so, so you did not travel with Chris Wellbaum, who does no. the Gamecock Central game day updates. No. Because he does not like barbecue. Chris Gillespie does not like barbecue. Oh. Do not put that on. That's Chris Gillespie. Chris Gillespie that does the updates and doesn't like barbecue? No, he does. The, he's our photographer. Okay. There's a lot of stories. Gillespie and I travel a lot for football and baseball stuff when they do post So Gil- Wait, Gillespie does his, not like barbecue. Yes. Wellbomb does the updates? Yes. I thought this whole time when you were saying going with Chris, like when y'all would go on road trips, that he was oh, no. coming with you to do the updates. No. Okay, so Chris Gillespie, the photographer. There we go. Glad we settled this. Chris okay, Gillespie yeah, no, that's I good. I, I feel bad now. Uh, Chris Wellbomb, if I've offended you by thinking this for the last couple of weeks, ever since I've made this realization, that a guy named Chris at Gamecock Central did not like barbecue. They're multiple. I apologize. Um, and I also apologize if I have now confused you, the listeners. But point is, <laughs> I got barbecue. <laughs> you got to eat barbecue in Starkville. I yeah. I talked to Mike Gillespie about it yesterday. I've never been to Starkville. He said it's a real like one stop like kind of town. He said there's an Italian restaurant, and that's about it. So was the barbecue in Starkville proper, or yeah. was it on the way? Yeah, okay. Starkville proper. Uh, I actually like Starkville a lot. I got to go last year for baseball. baseball. Yeah, and so that was a lot of fun. Um, it's one of those like unique places where time has kind of stood still for a little bit. So that kind of I mean, anachronistic. Yeah, and everyone knows everybody and they love Mississippi State sports and I've now done the big 3. This is this completed what I call the trifecta for football, basketball, baseball. So I've been for all three. Big oh, sports now. oh, cool. Um and it's it's one of the cooler towns. If you have a chance to go to Starkville, go. I don't I couldn't live there, me personally. But go for a sporting event? But, like, go for a sporting event. Go for a weekend. You, there's enough to do there on a weekend. Okay. To where you got some good food. There's You get to walk around campus and see a few things. And it's a unique part of the country. So Mississippi borders Alabama. Yes. But is not Alabama. Yes. Does Mississippi have its own barbecue tradition, or is it similar to Alabama's where they have the white sauce predominantly? No, I mean, we got... We went to Little Dewey's, which is a little bit of a famous spot down there. Kind of a, I don't know, cult classic comparison. Great barbecue. They had ketchup-based sauce, so kind of okay. a sweeter. It's close to Memphis, so it's like uh, yeah, Memphis-y, yeah. which I prefer to. I think that's the superior of the sauces. Of all the sauces? Of or just between sauces. that and Alabama? Every, really? You're, every you're a tomato. I'm a tomato all the way guy. Huh. Yeah. And you're from here. I'm from here, yeah. That's surprising. Hate mustard-based barbecue sauce. Mustard Hate. and vinegar dominate the Carolinas. I love Vinegar is a very Carolina. close second. Really? Very close second. Do you like mustard? No. Okay, well, that's why you don't that's like it. That's why I don't based. like it. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, that's I mean, fair. It's a very I love mustard. I think it's the best condiment. I love coarse, like, stone ground mustard on everything and mustard-based barbecue sauces. But see, I'm a big ketchup guy, so yeah. I prefer Now, ketchup is perfect, and Malcolm Gladwell wrote a whole New Yorker piece about why ketchup is the perfect condiment, which is which is great, but I've just been trying to eat less of it because there's sugar in it, and yeah. I'm a loser now because I'm do it. you know in my mid twenties, so my metabolism slowing down, so I got to be careful. So it's been see, I'm, my, I'm, I'm approaching my mid twenties too, and I'm like full bore ahead. Let's go. No, you you got a couple more years. What twenty four? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you got two more years before you start what is considered the beginning of the male physical. I like twenty six to thirty. I think is when you're in your physical prime. Awesome. Um, I'm so, working on my dad bod. Yeah, like well, I'm perfect. Just, I'm already like. Getting close to that. Perfect. I won't ask you if you're working on uh, anything else about being a dad yet. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll instead talk about basketball. So he mentioned that the, the people of Starkville love their basketball team, love their sports teams, I yeah. guess. And Mississippi State's had a, a pretty good year. They're a, a bubble team pretty solidly in kind of the next four out or, you know, 
last four in, yeah, you know, first four out, basically. whatever. They're they're in you know sort of that bubble range with South they're Carolina. Where South Carolina is, right? But there weren't a ton of people there. It was like what five six thousand people in the arena. It filled up. I mean, to a degree, it filled up a little bit better as the night went on, but it was empty. It was probably less than half full. Man, but the thing is, the the noise, the people that were there were loud. Okay, so the noise when it when it got loud and the arenas. Which they call the hump, and I will never not laugh at that. It's the Humphrey, right? It's the Humphrey Coliseum. Yeah, but they just shorten it to the, the hump. hump. Yeah, um, cool little basketball arena. It's small enough to where it's the when the noise gets loud enough, it'll just sit on you, kind of thing. I mean, it only seats. I'm looking it up. It only seats like ten thousand people, maybe. Okay, all right. So yeah, it seats ten thousand five hundred and seventy-five. So it was. More than half full. Yeah. And, in, I mean, it's it's a perfect college basketball arena because it does sit. The The ceiling is low. Uh, it's not like Colonial Life where it's cavernous and noise kind of gets lost in there. Starkville's not trying to host the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. <laughs> so, But it's a perfect little college basketball arena. Perfect. But it was a game that Mississippi State fans had a lot to cheer about. They won the game 79-76. to 76. It only took us six minutes into the podcast to tell you what happened in the game. For those of you that are listening to this but for some reason don't actually know what happened in the game, a game that South Carolina could afford to lose. When we were yeah. looking ahead to the last six games and saying if South Carolina goes 4-2 and two or better, they put themselves in a really, really good position to have a legitimate case to make the NCAA tournament. Of those last six games, this was the least important. This was the most losable game for South Carolina, and they did that. And if they were going to lose it, they did it in just about the best way possible. Yeah. Now we can talk about the frantic finish, which was exciting. And how ultimately, maybe, like, it doesn't mean a whole lot. It was nice to see them show some fight and some grit and to kind of get back in it and make a bunch of shots and have some steals, you know, on inbound passes and things like that and get back in it. But, like, ultimately, ah, you know, you still lost the game, so what does it matter? It does matter because it improved Carolina's efficiency. It improved their margin of loss. And those are the kinds of things that are going to make a difference as you come down to the wire and the net numbers start to get involved. Yeah, I mean, if you're South Carolina, obviously winning a game against a top 60 net team on the road would have given you a quad one win but you got two more opportunities for quad one wins down the stretch against LSU who will probably drop to a quad two if you beat them yeah but will rise probably back up into the top 30 they're still quad one right now they're 30th okay because they're 29 going into that Kentucky game and they lost pretty comfortably they only dropped one spot I guess which is which makes sense because Kentucky's uh, as of Friday morning they're 30th. That makes sense, because so, Kentucky's probably a, what, top 20 net team? 22nd, yeah. Or 22nd? Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so they're not going to punish them too much for losing that. Yeah, and it'll be one of those things where, like, if you beat LSU, which we'll talk about, then you'll they'll probably slide to, like, 35th, and they'll work their way back up, kind of like what Kentucky right. did. Assuming um, they don't just keep losing, because yeah. we'll talk about LSU in a minute, but Whew. slumping big time. Um, and so you get two more opportunities for quad one wins against Alabama and LSU, uh, not the end of the world. Obviously, you would have liked to have had it, but in the grand scheme, you didn't drop in the net. You stayed pretty consistent with five games to go. Mm-hmm. And they actually moved up in Lenardi's bracketology. They were, they were, they're still in the next four out. Mm-hmm. So one of the first eight teams left out of the tournament, but they moved up from the last spot to the second spot in the next four out. They moved up two spots. It's good. It's good. It's, it's good. good. That is short of winning the game. That was the, probably the best possible. Out, I mean, not probably. Short of winning the game, that was the best possible outcome Absolutely. for South Carolina. Mike Kotsar went the wrong way. Not his fault. Frank Martin has taken the blame for not communicating that correctly. And you know what? If we want to absolve Mike of any blame for doing anything after he put up a 24-7-4 with three steals on 11 of 17 shooting, making Ooh. both of his free throws, we can absolve him of of. Maybe like a, a communication mistake. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it was that that was like that wasn't the difference in the game. But when you come down to it, it's like wow. If Mike had gone to the right, because Jermaine Cousinard missed that last free throw exactly Perfectly. like he was supposed to, which is really yeah. impressive. Um, I, I honestly feel like that would be that would be harder than making a free throw is missing, missing it correctly. the right way. Yeah, it reminds me of I heard this story in high school and I never researched it, so this may be apocryphal, but I like the spirit of it about these two guys that got into Harvard, and they got zeros on their SATs, or like whatever the lowest, po- or like 200, because you know you apparently get 200 points for signing your name or whatever. Or maybe they did get zeros. I don't know. But the point was, they got every single question wrong on the SAT, and then wrote their college essay about how and why they did it, and they made this really compelling case. It's like, look, 
If you don't answer a question, you automatically get a quarter of a point. And you can also guess and get the correct answer. But we actually game the system, and the only way we could have gotten every single question wrong is if we knew for sure all of the answers. So they made this case about you know how they had broken the system and, and things like that. And it's, that's a case where it's like it's harder to do it wrong than to do it right. Yeah. Long-winded explanation, but that's how my brain works. It's just like free association all the time, and that's what it made me think of. But anyway, impressive for Jermaine to miss that. Carolina would have had a chance. Uh, two would have tied it. Three would have, I guess, I given mean, them the lead. There was a little bit of time left that maybe Mississippi State could have yeah. taken a shot. Point is, good win or good loss for Carolina in as much as that exists. It was efficient. They shot 48% from the field. Three-point shooting wasn't great. Four of 17, 23.5%. But they shot free throws well again. They did not lose the offensive rebounding battle. They lost the glass by just three rebounds. And they actually out-rebounded Mississippi State on the offensive glass, which is impressive because you and I talked so much about what was going to happen against one of the biggest teams in the country, the biggest team in the SEC, when you're down a starting big and an important backup big. How do you compensate for that? And Carolina did fine. Like They, they did... It's weird. They did enough things right that they totally could have won this game, and they won some margins that I didn't necessarily think that they were going to win, and yet they did enough things wrong that it's like just small things that that would have changed the outcome of this game and I think encourage you going forward. Yeah, and I think that if you had told me Reggie Perry had 10 points on 2 of 8 shooting, I would have said, holy hell. And 7 turnovers. Yeah, South Carolina won this game going away. Um, Goats are. Goats are, man. Um Veronica, I hope you're listening. That way you can wear your shirt. I know you listen to our podcast. You- That's so cool. She Yeah. Is that what you is that the one that you saw originally or did she get one made since we were I talking she, about that? I think she got one made when I Okay. tweeted it. Cuz we've talked about it recently about needing to get those like printed and you yeah. said that you had seen one. Well, I got tagged in on Twitter. Okay. So I saw it on Was Twitter. that hers I originally? I think so. Okay, cool. That's yeah. awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Um the weirdest coolest moment of my career so far. Yeah. Someone I've been doing t-shirt this for, out of your tweet. That's you know, 6 good. years. So, um yeah, I think this is, I mean, they did a lot of things right, and they were able to contain an SEC Player of the Year candidate in Reggie Perry in large part because of Mike Coatsar, like for the entire reason because of Mike Coatsar. And the only problem was the guards just weren't able to keep, you know, Weatherspoon and, and Stewart out of the paint. They couldn't keep the ball in front mm-hmm. of them, and that's been an Achilles heel when you're playing a team with two quick guards that, drive the ball well right well but it's weird because again where you would have thought Mississippi State won this game was on the glass and, and points in the paint because of their bigs I mean they, they won the points in the paint margin I think pretty comfortably but it was from their guards and these this was not the best backcourt that South Carolina has seen or will see no so I was again I, I can't say I was surprised because you're right like just that kind of like that style of guard Carolina has had trouble defending at times this year but they lost the games they lost the game for reasons that I didn't necessarily think they would lose the game, and maybe that would that makes some people feel worse. But for me, that makes you feel a little bit better because once they get back, you know, at least McCreary back into the fold, and if you get just a little bit better game out of Bryant or Lawson or Kusnard, all of whom had well, Bryant had a bad game. Lawson was fine. Kusnard kind of did what he, he compiled does. late though. Yeah, he, he yeah, showed a lot bit. of free throws late. Um, yeah, he did nine of twelve. I think he was like was Kusnard. I but. think he. Like but this, he he had 10 points on 10 shots at one point in the game. Mm. He was 3 of 10 from the field with 10 points. Yeah, 4 of 11, not his most efficient shooting, and 0 of 5 from 3. Yeah. But still got to his 17 points. That's that's what he does in SEC play, which is still impressive. I mean, it's, that's 17 points you can you can bank. I had someone hit me on Twitter during the game. It's like, oh, you said you can count on this, that, and the other. I'm like, Kushner got to his scoring average, and like maybe it was the free throws late, but look, we're talking about the free throws late. One of them was missed on purpose, so that was you know 18 points. He could have made that one if he wanted to. And I get, like, yeah, those free throws late don't really matter. It's like one of those weird kind of comebacks. We were talking about LSU and Kentucky earlier. That was a game that Kentucky won very comfortably. LSU made it look closer than it was at the end. Similar situation here for Carolina, except they really had a chance to grab that last offensive rebound and tie the game or go ahead and win it. So yeah. I, I think ultimately, you know, not a great game from Kusnard. Fine. AJ, a little bit below his scoring margin, but was good on the glass. Dished a couple dimes. You know, wasn't great defensively. Frank Martin said as much after the game. But point is, like, you get a little bit better performance from any of those three guys, and that's the difference in this game. Everything else, everything else, all those other margins, Carolina was at least competitive. Still got some decent productivity from their bench. Wilden's vet gave them six points and five rebounds. Uh, Trey Hannibal, 
a couple points, a couple rebounds, an assist. He had some bad turnovers, some need, more freshman moments. And you do, do need more from your bench. Frank even talked about it where it's like if Jalen's not there, you got to find other ways to get it. Right. And, and Wilden's— But you're really only playing three guys at that point. Yeah, and he, you need more because you're not getting a whole lot from Lawson or— Or as Bryant. much as you need, especially yeah. Bryant. Yeah. Um, but 14 points from three guys on the bench. I, I know okay. Moss played. And he's Jair, minutes, but he's never going to score. And Jair was weird. He had a, like a he had that big three late, obviously, mm-hmm. but other than that, really didn't do a whole lot. And I mean, I think you just need more consistency from those guys because and Levesque shown a lot of promise there, but he still goes out there and fouls a little bit too much. He got caught out of position a few times that led to some backdoor cuts and dunks, and um, you just need more from that. It's it's a consistency thing, and that's what you battle when you have young guys that are having to play a lot of minutes when mm-hmm. you lose your starting four and then you lose your backup four. And maybe the reality is all these things should not encourage you for this stretch run, these last five games for Carolina, because we've seen, I don't want to say more often than not, but we've seen many times this year that those have been the issues, and it's not like all of a sudden they're going to get fixed. Just because we have seen Jermaine have more efficient scoring games doesn't mean that you're always going to get that, because it's been there in terms of the point total, but the efficiency has fluctuated a little bit. For AJ, You know, we've seen him slump. He's getting back to it. He's still not exactly AJ, although we did have the AJ's back game. Was that last game or two games ago? And then a little bit not back now. But it was fine. It was a decent game. Not a bad game. Not a great game. It needs to be more. But maybe it is fair to say you can't expect that to just progress to the mean and that from now on he's going to be 16, 17 points. He's going to score more efficiently because that hasn't necessarily been the guy that we've seen all year. Yeah, and I think... I think it's fair to say you want more from your NBA prospect. I think it's fair to say, I mean, what's he averaging this year? I'm looking it up now. Um, I mean, what's you want more from a guy that's supposed to be this first round talent? Yeah, AJ's. I mean, thirteen point seven, three and a half rebounds, two assists. Yeah, and two turnovers a game. So one to one assist to turnover, three and a half rebounds is you know fine for a and basically a two, and then you need that scoring to be. Closer to where Jermaine is. Like, under 14 points is not what you need. No, from a guy that was expected to be a fringe late first-round pick, you need more from him, and you need consistent from him. Uh, I'm looking up his conference per games here. He's averaging, I'm looking now, 11.9 points in conference games, uh, 3.8 rebounds, 1.4 assists to 1.6 turnovers, over two fouls per game, shooting 41.3% from the field. I think it's fair to say you want more from him. Yeah, because especially when you look at his freshman numbers. he He's scoring a little bit more on the season. Freshman year, he was 13.4 points per game, but he averaged 4.3 rebounds a game, almost a whole rebound more. Uh, the assist number was a whole assist more. It was 2.9 assists per game. Same amount of blocks and steals, exactly 0.2 and exactly 1.1 for blocks and steals, respectively, and then 2.6 turnovers. So the, the turnovers are down. But the rebounds and assists are down almost a whole rebound and a whole assist. And the scoring has technically picked up a little bit, but... Marginally. Yeah, in an SEC play. like I, th- I think last year was kind of the opposite, where he picked his game up yeah. the more the season progressed. Yeah, and that's the frustrating thing, is because you wanted A.J. Lawson to step up and, and be the guy, and he's had to handle a lot. He doesn't have the same bailout abilities that he did when he was playing with a guy like Hassani with a guy like Chris behind him and a guy like Mike beside him and it's caused a lot of problems and he's kind of still trying to find his his role and it's made him be a little bit streaky and that's the that's the problem with it and you need to figure out a way to make sure he gets stays healthy first of all down the stretch because you do need him and get to the point where you feel comfortable saying we're gonna we know we're gonna get night in and night out it could be good it could be bad but you just need to know what you're getting so you can game plan around it. Mm-hmm. It looks like it was more consistent, and that was that was my point. And and maybe the reality is it's it's just not consistent. And then the stretch from Vanderbilt to Georgia was just as much of a streak as his slump was. And yeah. now it's going to continue to be up and down because Vanderbilt, 14 points, Arkansas, 19 points, Missouri, 13 points, but it was on 5 of 9 shooting, so efficient. Ole Miss is the one that sticks out. That's 5 points on 2 of 10 shooting, but that was a bad game for everybody except for Jermaine. 18 points against AM. and Mike, 20 points on, on 7 Mike, Mike had Georgia. a good game against Ole Miss. Huh? Mike had a good game against yeah, Ole Miss. Yeah, Mike had a good game against Ole Miss. That's right. Uh, but Jermaine had the 28, which was yeah, kind of what sticks oh, out in your head from yeah, that game. I remember. You remember yeah. Jermaine a little bit more now. So that's a nice stretch. Yeah. 14, 19, 13, 5, 18, 20, and then 9 and 12 
on a combined seven of 18 shooting the last two games. So while maybe, and look, I, I, I want AJ to be back. So maybe me saying AJ's back after that streak was wishful thinking and wrong because that was just the inverse of his eight points, 12 points, four points, five points, you know, 13 points, 11 points, and a bunch of turnovers. It's just streaky. Yeah. it's And that's what it is at this point. And it'll be interesting to see how interesting it gets after the season because he's not he has, going to the NBA right he now. He has a decision to make. I mean, he does have a decision to make. He's probably, you know, if if I were him, which I'm just speculating at this point, there's no, haven't done any checking. I don't have the time to check on all that stuff right now. But you test the waters. Mm-hmm. You go work out sure. for a couple teams. Yeah. That's the smart thing to do. He did that last year, right? Yeah. yeah. He didn't really work out for anybody, though. He just kind of got some evaluations. Yeah, he got some evaluations, spent some time working out at home, and then came back. I feel yeah. like everyone kind of knew what was yeah. going but on But do there. what Chris did after his junior year, Chris Silva. Yeah. Yeah. You go, you get evaluated. They tell you, hey, we think you're at best X. You know, right now, he's not on any mock drafts. I don't think he's on a big board yet. No, he, sh- he shouldn't be. He hasn't and played yeah, nearly you're, well. You're right, and I think he'll get told that by GMs and head coaches and scouts and whatnot, and then he's got a decision to make. You know, does he come back for another year at South Carolina? I mean, he's got options to do mm-hmm. things. Does he come back for another year at South Carolina? Does he decide maybe I want to go pro and go somewhere else overseas, play a different competition, or does he decide – you know, F it, I'm going to test the waters in the NBA and see what happens there. I don't know what he's going to do, but I'm just saying those are probably the options you get for A.J. Lawson over the next. You could transfer. That's obviously an option. I don't think he's going yeah, to do like that. The least likely. Yeah, it seems very much like the least likely, but, I mean, of the there's four options that you could have. And it's going to be interesting to see what he does. And I think that he could benefit from another year in college. I also think he could benefit from going overseas and playing some of, you know, in a good overseas league, but who knows what's going to happen. When he gets an evaluation, they're going to say, AJ, we like your upside. Oh, absolutely. But you need to shoot better. You need to pass better. You need to rebound better. You need to not turn the ball over. You need to defend better. You need to add about 45 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) Basically everything. Everything needs to get better. And for AJ, he's got to be looking at what the future of this team is. I mean, look, the... This is kind of the floor of what this assembly of talent yeah. can be. This which has, makes sense because it's the first year they've all played together. But right. you give Frank another year with basically all the same guys. You bring back everybody a year older, a year better. This is a team that is already still in the conversation for trying to make the NCAA tournament now. And once they get there, you know who knows? They've got they've got enough guys. You know, Jair Bolden can win you a tournament game because he yeah. can score twenty four. Mike Kozar is going to win you a tournament game because. He's just playing like that right now. AJ right. Lawson, Has he the can ability. go for twenty-seven. He can win you a tournament game. All of a sudden, you're in the Sweet Sixteen. You know, yeah. So that's that's there. There's a roadmap for that. And I mean, anytime any team gets in the tournament, there's chances and things like that. But for AJ, you're looking at that and you're saying, I can come back and play for a guy that is one of one of the better proven developers of talent over the course of a you know long period of time. It's like, oh yeah, you know, Coach K and Calipari and these guys. It's like, yeah, but you know, you get one and done. You get the best talent. Yeah. Chris Silva goes. 99% of other schools in the country, I don't think he is he on turned, an NBA contract. Yeah, Frank's right turned Mike Kotar into an all-SEC type player right, after exactly. his struggles his sophomore So you get to year. come back and play for one of the best, most proven developers in college basketball right now on a team that is going to have legitimate aspirations to play on a big stage towards the end of the season and nothing boosts your profile that much. I understand that you know the G League is more viable than ever, European leagues are more viable than ever, but you're still not going to replicate the eyeballs that are going to be on you if you're making a tournament run, if you're like a you know a top SEC team and you're on you know ESPN or like PJ Dozier, Carolina's on ESPN two on Saturday night. Yeah, PJ Dozier yeah. used that tournament run to kind of catapult himself and um, I mean, and PJ Dozier was more NBA ready than by far yeah. than AJ is right now. Yeah, I think so. Um, it'll be interesting. I think that there's a very big decision that's going to need to get made within the next six weeks, depending on how South Carolina finishes out and if they go. They're going to be playing postseason basketball. I feel mm-hmm. very comfortable yeah. saying they're going to be playing postseason basketball in some sense, whether that's the NIT or the NCAA tournament, depending on how things shake out. Um, and then once that ends, that runs over. A.J. Lawson has a decision to be made. Mm-hmm. So Been inconsistent. 
if only South Carolina could get even inconsistent play from Keyshawn Bryant, Oof. they might be sitting better right now. It's Oof. it's just not even inconsistent. It's just not good. Good. Yeah. And Frank's, I mean, I, I asked him after the Mississippi State game, you know, what did you see from him? And what does he need to do to get better? And he's like, and, and there's a story up right now on Gamecock Central, shameless plug, about it. And Frank even was like, listen, like, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, here's the exact quote. He's all over the place right now. I got no idea what he's doing, and I don't think he knows what he's doing. And I don't even think he knows what he's doing. I feel bad for him because he's really trying. He hasn't been able to be consistent with all of the plethora of injuries this year. Not wrong. No. And but. that's the problem with it is that every time he gets close, a knee flares up, a concussion or something like that. So And, and, and everything else, too. The yeah. fouls, the turnovers. You, I mean, you did the research for the story. Y'all go read it on GamecockCentral.com. So you may know this off the top of your head, but we're going to play a little Colin trivia right now. Ooh. How many games has Keyshawn Bryant scored double digits in SEC play? Three. Correct. It was 12 against Georgia. It was 15 against Kentucky and 14 in the SEC opener against Florida. How many times in SEC play has Keyshawn Bryant played more than 25 minutes? They played 13 games. Let's say seven. <laughs> this is Four. a tricky one. 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 Florida. Okay. Played 24 minutes against Kentucky, 24 minutes against Tennessee, 22 against Vanderbilt, 21 against Ole Miss, 21 against Georgia. Every other game was in the teens or single digits. He can't even stay on the floor. He fouled out against Mississippi State. Yeah. Had four fouls against AM, four fouls against Ole Miss. Too, yeah. Weird part. Four fouls against Vanderbilt, four fouls against Tennessee, four fouls against Florida. The turnover numbers are awful. Four turnovers against Florida, four turnovers against Tennessee, four turnovers against Kentucky, four against Vanderbilt, four against Ole Miss, two against AM, two against Georgia, two against Tennessee. He actually didn't turn the ball over against Mississippi State. So there you go. If you're looking for a bright side, Keyshawn did not turn the ball over for only the second time in SEC play and the third time this year. And you look at some of the other stats, he didn't have any good rebound. He only had two rebounds against Mississippi State, which is a problem. You're going to need a guy like that with Manaya out to rebound. Uh, but he had three assists and two steals. Yeah. Like, like, and But then fouled out and shot three and nine from the field. So it's like, and he missed some like ones that were, you're like, he missed this great, I mean, TJ Moss throws up this alley-oop, mm-hmm. slams it home. I mean, has a chance for Bryant to make this great play. USC's on a run. They do that, and I think they're down like one point with like six to go, if my memory serves. And then he misses. It goes right to a Mississippi State player. Yeah, Nick Weatherspoon, I think, yeah. on the and other then, end. Yeah, and they slam it home, and then you're back down five. Got to yeah. finish that. Yeah, you have to finish that if you're Keyshawn Bryant. I've, is this uh, this is kind of Groundhog Day? Didn't, didn't we do this last time where I said, "Is it okay if I count out Keyshawn for the rest of the season?" Yeah, you can. Yeah, I, I think you said that. Oh yeah, and then we agree. tried to reverse jinx him. Yeah, but the negativity elsewhere in the podcast was, I guess, too vociferous, and it. Has poisoned him. Yeah, you and said I feel you're going to go to the bathroom with Keyshawn Bryant. Uh, no, yeah, no, yeah, you said yeah. It. I did. You said it. I did say said that. It. it was it was a simile. He's like the food that you're waiting for in a restaurant, and in the same way that you go to the bathroom to make the food Come get quicker. there faster. I was hoping that you if I went to the bathroom waiting on, on Keyshawn to get better, <laughs> you know, I don't need to explain myself. It's okay. You it just was just to... it was it was not good, and the difference between Keyshawn. And AJ and Jermaine, again, I think both of whom had fine games. Yeah. Not bad games, not very good games. Correct. The difference is we've seen AJ have good games. We've seen Jermaine have a lot of really good games. And we can expect them to have, in the next five games, probably three more really good games each. Yeah. I, I wouldn't so. expect both of those guys or either of those guys to have five really good games left in them this season, but three or four for sure. If Keyshawn has one good game in the next five, I'll be very impressed and a little bit surprised. I think that's fair because I think he's still trying to kind of get his feet under him. And, you know, for as frustrated as I think fans are with Keyshawn, I think Keyshawn's probably more frustrated than all of them. Definitely. Um, You hope so, anyway. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see how he he responds. And I think that you're going to have to start game planning a little bit differently with that and trying to get him easier looks. And when you get those easier looks, which he's had at times, he's got to convert. And that's been the big, biggest problem this year. Can we play another game? Yeah. It's called, I asked Colin a question that he wasn't necessarily prepared for me to ask, and he has to scramble to do research very quickly. Shoot. Do you want to play? Yeah. Okay. What is Alonzo Frank's rebounding rate? Because I feel like 
his scoring has dipped this year, which is a direct result of him having a just a smaller workload, not playing as many minutes. The front court for South Carolina is a lot more crowded, even with Manaya out. But I still feel like while he's in there, the only thing that he does as well as fouling is rebounding. He's a legitimately very good rebounder. Would you like to know his season totals or his conference totals? Um, give me give me his conference totals first. So his he has a fifteen point one offensive rebound rate and a twelve point eight defensive rebounding rate. Hmm. He's rebounding better on the offensive side of the ball than he is on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe that's why I remember it because the offensive rebounds stick out a little bit more. Yeah, and he had five of them against Mississippi State. Yeah, which is a lot. I guess that's surprising that he's that good of an offensive rebounder and that he has the best offensive out. rebound rate on the team. That makes sense. Why well, is he not better on the defensive glass then? Uh, good question. Because it's harder to, well, it's it's not harder to defensive rebound. Offensive rebounding takes a certain level of skill set that I think yeah. he possesses. A I guess he just has it. He just likes being on that end of the court more than the other. I, one. I, I definitely think that. <laughs> uh, um, his defensive rebound rate. Fifteen point six on the season, which is fourth best. No, fifth best. Tied for fifth best on the team. Does Mike have the best defensive rebounding rate on the team? I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. Yes. I know. I did. Seventeen percent. Okay. All right. So my coats are four percent better. My coats are in SEC play. Holy hell! All right, give it to me. Twelfth in offensive rating. Fifteenth in effective field goal percentage. 14th in true shooting percentage, 9th in defensive rebound rate, 19th in assist rate. In the conference. Yeah, just in SEC games in the conference. 17th in turnover rate, which means he does not turn the ball over a lot. 16th in block percentage, 6th in steal percentage, and 15th. What do you think he ranks 15th in? Because I guarantee you will not guess it. 15th? Oh, no, I'm going to guess it. In conference play? In conference play. Is he 15th in free throw percentage? He is 15th in free throw percentage. (laughs) Do you have the raw numbers? Yeah. He is 33 for 41. Okay. 80 80 and a half percent. So he's he's definitely not in like probably the top 75 in terms of free throws attempted in conference play, but he's at least hitting them at a good clip. Yeah. And the thing is, he went like 5 of 26 to end the year last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's insane. And he had a two-game stretch where he didn't miss one, and then he missed... Yeah, he missed one or two against Tennessee, and then made both of them. Now Frank Martin was upset that he only got to take two against Mississippi State, and probably had a gripe there, but yeah. made both of them. That's huge. It's huge for him. Um, but that's a long way to say that Alonzo Frank has been a pretty okay rebounder, still a decent offensive rating. Um, it dips. It's eight points lower in SEC play than what it is for the entire season. Okay. But that makes sense because he had some good games down that stretch where they were playing pretty well. Right. Um, they're still playing pretty well. But in non-con to end when it was Clemson, Virginia, and, and mm-hmm. Houston played yeah. pretty well. So that's what helped him there. But a very good offensive rebounder. Which very, is, which, I mean, again, decent that's, offensive that's why player. it sticks out in my head because I feel like he's always snagging rebounds that, that I remember from the game. Yeah. And it makes sense because those are second-chance opportunities for South Carolina. And, you know, he, he played fine. He played fine. Yeah. And he played he, 21 minutes, which is more than five. Or one, or whatever yeah. he's been playing lately. And there were some times where he just didn't passes. Sometimes the entry passes weren't great to him, but mm-hmm. you know, fumbles a few balls, turn you know, turn it over a little bit. But doesn't he need to bring the fro back? I like Wouldn't the fro. I like the fro a lot more than what he's wearing. I now. do too. Um, and it changed Jalen's entire season, changing up the hairdo. Yeah, you think that? And didn't Alonzo start the season with the fro and had it for like one game and then switch to the little dreads? He's bounced around a couple times. I think he got okay. the dreads coming back from Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's been consistent at least since SEC play started. I yeah. thought I remembered seeing the throw early in the year. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit of both. You need to ask him. You're going to see him today. Well, actually, I don't know if he's going to be there for availability, but next time you see him, I need you to ask for him. I'll hit him up. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. No, his sister, no, his sister is a, why he does it, I think is his sister's a hairdresser back home. Uh, so when he goes okay. home, his sister does that. Where's he from? New Jersey. Oh, wow. That's cool. He's from Jersey. I think he's from Jersey, but he obviously went to Roselle Catholic, which is a, a pipeline now for South yeah. Carolina kids. Hmm. Okay, very cool. All right, so I'm, I'm kind of dancing around it, and I'm going to continue to dance around it. So let's say Wilden Zavek. Yeah. We knew he wasn't going to start, not really ready for that role, but was certainly going to play more with Jalen McCreary out. Is he going to be good to go for LSU? Yeah. Or will you find out today? Or you assume that he's good? Wilden's? No, uh, uh, Jalen. Jalen. Um, I think he should be. Uh, we haven't really. Frank doesn't talk to the media 
on Fridays. He does his weekly thing, so I would assume he's available. Okay. So we'll usually find with out concussions, the time frame we're always we always usually go with when you have a head injury is about a week. Mm-hmm. So, so that puts him close. Yeah, because concussion protocol is weird to where you have to exhibit no signs of a concussion for like X period of time, and that's mm-hmm. over like a you know thirty hour, forty eight hour period. Right. So maybe it being a six o'clock tip is yeah. beneficial for Carolina. Yes. You get a couple extra hours. Yeah. So that's the thing too is that like even if he didn't have any concussion symptoms on Tuesday, right before they were about to travel, if it oh, hadn't I been see, for I like. See. If it hadn't hit the threshold yet, he couldn't be cleared. Uh-huh. Okay. All Even right. if he was fully recovered from it. So concussion protocol, and rightfully so, takes a lot to clear. And so we haven't heard if he's practicing, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how he does. And, and I, th- I think he plays just based off of, you know, general. I've watched a lot of college basketball. I know how this stuff usually plays yeah. out. Yeah. But regardless... Y'all uh, F5 on Gamecock Central this afternoon to find out whether or not McCreary can play because he's a big contributor. He played 15 minutes in the first half against Tennessee, which means I think it's safe to assume he's going to see his minutes load rise to a consistent like 18 to 22, and he's earned it. But in his absence, you know, Frank played a little bit more. We knew Levesque was going to play more. How much more remained to be seen? He played 18 minutes, six points, five rebounds, did have a couple of bad fouls, had a steal, had a turnover. I'm going to guess... That he was on the plus side of the plus minus for the game, though. Oh, let's find out. It I felt don't... like there were some good things that happened when he was in the game. And he's, I mean, I like. I thought I thought he had I thought he had a fine game. I thought he in, had a very in eighteen fine minutes. Yeah, I'm guessing just like plus one or two. I don't think he was negative for the game, just based on the eye test. You, you have think? access to these numbers. I do not. What do you think? Nobody plus. was the highest plus minus of the game was seven plus seven. He was not plus seven. The highest no, no, no. of the game was plus yeah, seven. Yeah, who was plus seven? Jair. Oh, cool. There you go. Um, oh, because he was in that little run, that yeah. little spurt at the end. I, I think Wildens was plus one. Higher? Plus three? A little bit higher. Plus, plus four. four. Plus okay, four. Okay, cool. Good. Who was the lowest, do you think? Keychon? No. Uh, Trey? I don't know. Alonzo Frank. Alonzo Frank had the lowest, what was he, like minus six? Minus 17. Minus seven? In 21 minutes? Whoa! All right, I uh, there were only, I retract what I said earlier. I'm glad you got five offensive rebounds, but yeah. minus seventeen. Lawson was minus four. These are the guys that were just minus. Bryant was minus five. T.J. Moss was minus ten. But those are the only guys that were minus. Hmm. Two star was plus four. Coatsar was plus two. He just played a lot. He played thirty-seven minutes. And the only time he came out was, I think the only time he came out was when he got four fouls. Right. Yeah. We picked, um, yeah. Hannibal was plus two, Nathan Nelson plus two, uh, Wildens plus four, Jair plus seven. There you go. Plus those Mariners. Wait, Nathan Nelson didn't play, did he? Nathan Nelson played. They would swap him and Mike. Every Mike would go on the offense. They would offensive a defensive sub for him. So did he not record a minute? Because I'm looking at the box score. Well, he didn't record a minute because it was like he only played that final like 25 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, he played a fraction of a minute, so he he didn't even make he didn't make the box score. That's weird. He made the box score. I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the one on ESPN. I mean, I watched the game. I don't really remember him being in there, but I guess it was it was just for the one possession. It was. I mean, it was like multiple possessions, but like they were all like in that last stretch. Yeah, I, I didn't. Even he would guard that. the inbound pass. Uh, that's probably why I didn't notice him. Yeah, and so he would guard the inbound pass, and then when they got to the free throw line, they'd hit the first. Mike would come back in for him on offense, and then. You up and downed it. There you go. Well, you would know. You were sitting right next to the court. By the way, like different media section in Mississippi State. Did you catch a basketball? I did catch a basketball, and you caught it. It didn't yeah. like fall off your hands. Yeah, that it was, was cool. the one where I think Kusnard or Lawson like airballed it to Frank down low. Okay, and it bounced right at me, and I reach up. You can't see what I'm doing, but I reach up and I grab it. And normally, when you do that, you grab it and then you wait for the ref and you just throw it back to the ref. Mm-hmm. Reggie Perry. <laughs> Apparently was like really in a hurry to get going. I'm like looking at the ref, and he walks up to me, palms the basketball, nice, and rips it out of my hands. Cool. And it scared the ever loving crap out of me. Did you say anything to him? 
No. Did he say anything to you? No. He just grabbed it? He just like reached down and snatched it because I wasn't paying attention to him. I was mm-hmm. looking at the ref, and so I didn't see him come up, and he just grabbed it and like ripped it out of my hand. Hmm. His hands are massive. Yeah, I bet. I mean, he's massive. 6'10". Yeah, absolutely massive. That would being. be the biggest person I've ever met, yeah. I think. Probably, yeah. Anyway, uh, you were close. Yeah, so okay, so Nathan Nelson did get in to, to guard the inbound pass. I seriously did not even notice that. Yeah, they Why were talking about Nathan Nelson? Oh, we were talking about plus minus. That's yeah. right. And Wildens, plus four. Plus four. Good job, Wildens. Solid game. If he plays 10, 12 minutes down the stretch, that's fine. You want to give 10 more of those minutes to Jalen. Obviously. Maybe take some of those minutes away from Frank. Minus 17. That's really disappointing. I mean, look, that's not the whole story. I'm not saying I'm, I based my entire opinion about a game. He was just some of those runs. Right. And, yeah. Not great. Uh, Trey, not great. Too many turnovers. He forces it too much. Still like him. Yeah. Still has a lot of upside. So it does is, some nice things. Yeah, and that's why you're mistakes. seeing yeah, and that's why you're seeing Frank not want to play him as much as he did at the you know what I mean? But he's still playing more than TJ Moss. Yeah. It was weird. Like he not to say his game was pristine early on, like towards the end of non con and beginning of SEC play, but he it seemed like he made fewer mistakes then and Frank was playing him less, which yeah. is maybe why. And now he's playing more and making more mistakes because he has more opportunities too. But it's just funny because you think if he's gonna have a short leash for a guy, it would it would be now. As opposed to early on when he wasn't making that many mistakes, but yeah. I, I don't know. It's just it's good to see him like grow into that role of like the and true first to, guard off the bench. Yeah, and that's what you need from him. That's why Dwayne Notice and Sandarius were so good their senior years is because they played a absolute amazing amount of minutes as freshmen mm-hmm. and sophomores. You get to work so. out the kinks. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Jair, you mentioned highest plus minus on the team hit that three. Other than that, didn't do a whole lot. Kind of low impact game for him. Although he did have six points on two of three shooting. Which, but he had some bad defensive breakdowns, and that that was the part that frustrated Frank. I mean, we were yeah, but he's bench. he's always been a bad defender. Like that's not really going to change. You need him to get out there and score and score more than he gives up defensively. He didn't do that on Wednesday. Yeah, but I, my prediction was wrong. I said he was going to go three of eight for every game for the rest of the season. He went two of three, so more efficient, <laughs> lower impact game than it needed to be. Uh, speaking of low impact, TJ Moss. I wonder how many box score lines like this he's had this year 11 minutes no points no field goal attempts one assist one turnover i would say a few i bet he, i bet he has six box score lines that are Similar. exactly that from the season i could i could pull up the game log i don't even i don't really care enough to do that i'm i'll just say that i'm glad that trey hannibal is getting most of the minutes that moss was getting early in the season because he's generally a low impact player yeah and what do you think Jair's plus minus is for the year? Minus the Jair UMass Bolden's game. plus minus for the season. Yeah. Minus the UMass game, which UMass is weird and didn't give us plus minus. Oh, really? Yeah. Thanks, UMass. I know, right? I freeze you my ass off. I freeze my ass off up there for you, and you don't give me plus minus. Plus minus. Um, okay. So jeez. Oh, I have I don't even know where to guess. But so it's, I'll it's give like, you it's like I'll, plus eleven for the season or something? I'll give you you're way off. Um, is it way higher? Yeah, it was way, way higher. Really? Um, I'll give you some. Justin Manai hasn't played in. Because he was a starting point guard in all those games that Carolina. Well, I mean, he was a starting point guard in the Stetson game, in the Florida game, and then Stetson, in the. Stetson, he was only minus one. No, Stetson, he was minus. I, I'm just thinking because he was. He, like the, Not part of the reason that Carolina was losing, but he, his taking over the point guard role sort of directly coincided with Carolina dipping, I, I guess, with the exception of. Virginia, and then was he the starting point guard for the Clemson game? Yes. Okay. All right. So I guess I'm just remembering the end of his tenure as a starting point guard. Um, I have I have no idea. Uh, give me one second because I'm curious. He has a higher plus minus on the year than Jermaine Kusnar. Oh, okay. All right. This is why plus minus doesn't work. He's plus ninety one. Jermaine is plus ninety. Plus ninety one. I guess Carolina's won a lot more games than they've lost. Yeah. That doesn't seem right. His lowest minus, though, was minus 17 against Florida. Hmm. But he I doesn't really have, my, like, all of his what's minuses. What's his biggest plus game? Virginia? No, he was plus 7 against Virginia. Plus 16 against Wyoming. Okay. I mean, I'm just thinking, it seems like... It's all, like, marginal. No, I was going to say, I would, I would assume it's all marginal, like, plus yeah, 4 here, so minus he 2 there. Plus 14 against Texas A&M, plus 13 against Vanderbilt. But all of his minuses are, like, minus 2, minus 1, minus 1, minus 1. See, he's I think only it would had, have been more like plus fours and fives and minus threes and fours. He's only had three. Most of the plus minuses are like plus four, plus three, plus six, plus nine, plus eight, plus nine. But when you're 
Yeah. His pluses are a little bit higher. The only like ones that are his only minuses that have been more than five mm-hmm. was that three game stretch Stetson, Florida, and Tennessee where he was minus thirty combined. Hmm. Minus seven against Stetson, minus seventeen against Florida, minus six against Tennessee. Hmm. Well, I guess that's uh I guess that's cool. AJ Lawson though. Fun fact. Is plus ninety nine. Plus ninety nine is AJ? Think and then Mike is plus one hundred and forty six. Very close, one thirty six. Hmm. He's the highest plus minus on the team. That makes sense. So that's what I was saving. We went through everybody else, and we I guess we mentioned that Mike Kozer had a great game. But I want to ask you like this: You, Colin, know a lot about SEC basketball, and we know that Reggie Perry was an SEC Player of the Year candidate. Who would you say are the other? SEC Player of the Year candidates right now. Just just throw out a couple. Nick Richards, Mason Jones, Brian Tyree, Kerry Blackshear. Pretty much all the guys that Ken Palm has mm-hmm. up there. And a lot of guys that Mike Kotsar has had to guard. Outside of Mason Jones and Brian Tyree. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what did Kerry Blackshear do? Nothing. And what did Reggie Perry do? Nothing. And what did Nick Richards? Nick Richards, Nick oh, Richards had a fine game, a didn't he? before getting in foul trouble. Huh? A little bit before getting in foul. Trouble. Yeah, well, was, he was probably like fourteen and nine that game or something like that. I'm looking it up. I'm just throwing out a number. I don't remember he, that. He button. actually had a pretty solid game. Uh, Fifteen points on five of six shooting, five of eight from the free throw line, seven of seven rebounds. Ah, oh, so wait, four, tur- but four turnovers, yeah. uh, four blocks, and then three fouls. Hmm. And you mentioned Reggie Perry, ten and ten. He got his ten rebounds, but eight points below or eight or nine points below his season average scoring in seven turnovers. It's a lot. I don't know how many of those Mike was directly responsible for, but he did have three steals. He's an all-SEC player. He isn't. Two weeks ago, it was like, is Mike the SEC Defensive Player of the Year? The answer is legitimate Maybe. conversation. Now it's like, Mike is he all <laughs> Yeah. Like all-SEC, and he's not the SEC Player of the Year. No. He's not going to be in that conversation. Brian Tyree's and, probably there. And he, he doesn't. I don't want to say he doesn't deserve to be, but he doesn't. He's not a, like, Shortlist. He's not a top five, top seven, probably even top ten guy in the really, SEC. It's really, really hard to give it to a big that award. Yeah, and especially when it's a team that's sixteen and ten. Yeah, and will finish probably fifth, sixth, fourth, fifth, sixth, right in the SEC. But bring it. I mean, but he first team all defense first, for sure. definitely first for team sure. All oh, one hundred percent. Maybe defensive player of the year. Yeah, and it's getting closer and closer to defensive player of the year now. Yeah, and probably second team all SEC. Second team all SEC, that seems right. You're probably going to give the first team to Nick Richards, Nick and Richards, Reggie, and Perry. Reggie Perry. Yeah, but he's in that conversation with Kerry Blackshear. Oh man, twenty four points, seven rebounds, four assists, three steals, eleven of seventeen shooting. He took a three. He he was forced into a three. I know. It but was he late in the three. game. Yeah, I know. But it he was took forced a three. to. As I'm and watching, two two. the funniest part was, I knew he wasn't going to make it because that's just not part, part of Mike's game. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching it because it was right in front of me, and I'm like, i got to come up with a pun if he makes this. And it clanged out, and then I was like, I don't have to worry about that anymore. What would it have been? I don't know. Had you workshopped anything to that point? Because I know no, you want to. that's why I panicked. I was like, oh, hell, i got to come up with a pun if he makes this. Because you're really excited about three Sean Bryant. Three if, Sean Bryant. If Keyshawn ever even attempts a three yeah. or makes one, which he's made probably like, what, three this year? One, I still think. Just in that, one in that Virginia game in the whole year. Yeah, it's not um, great. But I wanted Trey Hannibal is a good one. Jeez, uh, yeah, he's made one three. But Trey, like T R E Y Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Um, Trey. There's some good ones out there. There's some good ones. Hopefully, you have to worry about it for Mike by the end of the season. But that's just not part of this game right now. No, it's not. And, and f- he's had to work so much on getting his mid range. To where it's comfortable and holy hell is it comfortable mm-hmm. right now? Um, yeah, I mean, he's, and then he can extend from there. But right now, I, and he's got that little hook going, which it makes such a difference because the the difference. I mean, he's been more aggressive this year. Absolutely. He's been more aggressive, especially on the glass, which is nice, and driving, taking guys off the dribble, which is fine. But he's still usually not someone that goes all the way to the rack. But the difference is he would take three or four of those little floaters, faders, whatever, that would all bounce in and out. Yeah. And for a while, it seemed like he was the unluckiest player ever. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, he's just not very good. 
but he's getting all those to go. He's his touch around the rim has improved it's so just much. Just clicked, and he let a fast break against Mississippi State. They threw it to him. They had an outlet pass for Mike Kozar, mm-hmm. and that's. I think that's what speaks volumes about how far he's come as a player. Gozar. Gozar. Anything else about Mississippi State? No. Carolina had 17 assists on 29 made baskets. Pretty good. Again, shot 48% from the field. That's the frustrating Just, part with that game. Yeah. Where you were like, they actually, offensively, they turned the ball over too much and made some stupid fouls, but yeah. like, they didn't shoot the ball horribly and they didn't execute poorly in the half court sometimes. Yeah. They rushed some things. The tournament, yeah, well, the, the that game was weird because Mississippi State is a, is a team that likes to slow it down. I don't know where they are in pace, but I know they're towards the bottom of the SEC, yeah. like probably bottom four or five, something like that. They like to slow it down. There were stretches in that game where it was just wide open, and Mississippi State was throwing ahead outlet passes in semi-transition. I was like, this is not how they typically play. No. And yet, this is kind of the game we're playing. It was like, boom, 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 boom. And they never force turnovers. That's yeah. a team that sucks yeah. at forcing turnovers. Well, and some of them weren't forced. I mean, like yeah. dribbling out of bounds. That's that's a. That's, and then, and South if South this Carolina were tennis, turner- that's an unforced error. Yeah. And then South Carolina turned them 15 times. Yeah. Which is probably, what, three, four more than they average? Which is, is I mean, like 15's a, like more than average turnovers, but it's not a horrible amount. No. It's, and they're below the NCAA, NCAA the, the national average, average is, what, 13? And Carolina I'm, looking over, I'm looking 12? at turnover rate. Turnover rate's 19.1 of uh-huh. percent of possessions. Uh, South Carolina is 18.6, so just below. Okay. Yeah, They're above average in terms which of is, Which but, is nice, and that's what they need. And they still won the turnover margin by seven. They yeah. forced 22 turnovers yeah. and had 11 steals against Mississippi State, which is kind of what you needed to do. But. And they held Mississippi State. Mississippi State came in, I think, averaging 109 points per 100 and were held to 101.8. So mm-hmm. you held them under their per 100 average, which yeah. is... that's good. The disappointing part Which is of, why the net stayed the same, first of all. Right, in terms of the efficiency? Yeah. Yeah. The disappointing part of Wednesday, obviously, other than South Carolina losing, is that Mississippi State shot 50%, and it didn't feel like an outrageous shooting night for them. No. They just had a lot of good looks, and they were they able to hit them. them. Yeah. yeah. And they shot the ball well, and they hit big shots when they needed to hit big shots, and South Carolina didn't. Yeah. By and, and large, every time Carolina... It was like eight, and then it would, they would get it down to four, and then Mississippi State would... Make two baskets. Yeah. yeah. Like, Which we've seen Carolina do a lot this year. So I'm sure it was frustrating for them to be on the other side of it. Because when they've lost, it's been getting their heads smashed. Yeah. And when they won a lot of times, it's because they're smashing heads. Yeah. So, But another close game, a competitive game, a well-contested game. The finish was obviously exciting. Ultimately, Carolina lost, and now they need to go 4-1 and one in the next five games. And that starts Very Saturday against LSU, who was a slight favorite against Carolina heading into the game Wednesday. They lost to Kentucky. I guess they lost to Kentucky on Tuesday. Yeah. But they lost their midway game to Kentucky. It was also, I think, a three-point margin, but it was a even more comfortable victory for Kentucky than the they, Mississippi State game was, even though Mississippi led, State was up by 11 with two and a half to go. Yeah, they led by 15 with 426 left. Right. So since then, the line has actually... Well, I don't know if the line has flipped, but you said according to Kimpom, the percentages have slightly shifted. Yeah, so South Carolina was given a 49% chance to win entering the week, and now it's switched. So LSU's only given a 49% chance of projecting South Carolina to be. Um, but it's a one-point game. Yeah. Like, that's the thing where it's like uh, anything can it's happen. A yeah, it's a pick It's em. a pick anything But Carolina is in a pick scenario with LSU, who's a good team, who's going to make the tournament. If you had told Carolina fans that a month ago, they would have thought it was crazy. Now, in this case, it has a little bit less to do with South Carolina and a little bit more to do with the fact that LSU has lost four of their last five games, yeah, not which is crazy. You're getting a desperate LSU team right now. Yeah. And you forgive a loss at Auburn. You forgive a loss to Kentucky. At Even at Alabama is fine. Yeah. But one of those losses is at Vanderbilt, and the only win in this stretch is a four-point win against Missouri. They're just not playing well right now. Which is... They're the worst defensive team in the SEC. Worst. They're average, they're giving up 110.1 points per possession. 110, 110 points per 100 possessions. So for Carolina, attack. Yo, you're yeah, you're yeah. exactly right about. And I didn't necessarily even think it was wrong. It felt like a lot of it fit within the flow of the game because, like I said, there were times in that Mississippi State game that it was kind of a a fast paced, high octane game. There were times when Carolina would take a three, ten seconds in the shot clock. It didn't feel like a bad shot. No, they just weren't going down. But you really can't do that against LSU. You need to take high percentage shots because you're going to get them, and you're probably going to have to score 
in the high 70s or low 80s to win. Because LSU can score the ball. Yeah. They can score. They are the best offensive efficiency team in SEC play and the worst defensive team in What's their offensive efficiency? 114. Okay. So they're plus four on the season. Yeah. Uh, or just in conference play. So in their, okay. what, 13 conference games, whatever they played. Uh, yeah, this is, and South Carolina's a good defensive team. So if you can hold LSU like they did to Mississippi State under their scoring average, and you take advantage of a really, really bad defensive team, that might help you out. I'm not going to say they're going to win. LSU's 18 and 8, 9 and 4 in conference. Carolina's 16 and 10, 8 and 5 in conference, which means yeah. Carolina wins. You got the tiebreaker over LSU, which is kind of crazy. You have the tiebreaker over Kentucky. Florida has a tiebreaker over you. Auburn has a tiebreaker over you. And you have a chance to even it up with Mississippi State. But if Carolina still wants to jockey for that four seed, you have a couple of important, or at least one important tiebreaker. Kentucky's yeah. not going to fall all the way to like four no, seed no, conversation. No, no, no. But this won't. is a huge tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, If you want it. Yeah, no, no. Which, it's, huge. Yes. it's absolutely huge. And if you don't, then you're probably looking at playing on Thursday instead of getting a double bye more than likely in the SEC tournament. So, um, yeah, you lose and you lose and things get very tough. Because yeah, because but you have you have three winnable games. And you got to go on the road. And at beat. Alabama, at Vanderbilt, Georgia at home. Mississippi State at home. And then the Mississippi State game becomes incredibly important. That, that, that game is already incredibly important, but if you beat LSU – you can still lose you're that losing, game. And you're it playing house money at that point against yeah, Mississippi State. Yeah, it, it does not end your season if you lose to Mississippi State at home. Although it would definitely suck for Carolina, but this game, let's just say it is important. It's more important than Wednesday's Mississippi State game. It's going to be tough, but it's at home, which is kind of cool. That helps, I it's think. It's going to be a wild atmosphere. You hope so. You hope so. It's at six o'clock, so y'all have enough time to go to happy hour, get some apps. Couple IPAs. What's the uh, sours? What's the weather like? Probably cold, so maybe you want to drink a stout or two. Yeah, well, and I'm you to know those are higher ABV anyway. Yeah, and you can get a beer at the Colonial Life Arena. I went to Columbia Craft the other night. Yeah. and had a very nice beer, uh, the Van Dam. Very I've had good. that. Yeah, very it's very good. good. I like Columbia Craft. It's close to me. I don't go there a ton. I, I guess I don't just don't. I just don't drink a ton. But Columbia Craft is like on my short list of places that I'll go. Yeah. This is not sponsored by Columbia Craft, but. I think the last time I went there was to play bingo like a couple months ago. I like which was cool. I like River Rat and I like Columbia Craft a lot. River Rat, I go do trivia because my buddy Chris King's the trivia master over there. Yeah, so that's fun. Uh, tomorrow or yeah, tomorrow since we're recording this on Friday, um, it will be fifty four degrees at three p.m. Okay, not day drinking weather. Yeah, but put on a jacket and go. Have but a put beer. on a jacket and you can go sit on a patio somewhere and yeah, feel good. And then go to the game yeah. and cheer. And hope that LSU doesn't score ninety five points. Yes, that would be they're that would be ideal. Of doing that would be ideal. The matchup maybe scares you a little bit. Yeah, you know, Skyler Mays, Javante Smart, two good yeah, two good two guards, good guards, which has been it's a, a problem. It's a more veteran team. I think the only freshmen that play significant minutes for LSU are Trendon Watford and Andre Hyatt. Everyone else is at least older than that. <laughs> their starters. Play eighty point two percent of minutes. No, seventy nine point two percent of minutes. So you're gonna win the bench margin. Yeah, you better. Yeah, they do not do a lot of bench minutes. Three hundred fortieth in the country out of three hundred fifty three teams. Mm. So they ride or die pretty much with Skyler Mays, Javante Smart, Marlon Taylor, Darius Days, and Trent Watford. So get those guys in foul trouble. Yeah, if you can get them in foul trouble, that helps you out because then they're having to play guys that don't play a whole lot. Mm-hmm. So it's probably good for you. They, let's see, I'm trying to look at their raw numbers here because they don't shoot the three particularly well, 31.5%. Which is, they're shooting 31.7% in SEC play. Mm, a little bit better in conference play. But marginally, teams are shooting 37.1% from three against them. 317 317 Oh, 37% against LSU. Yeah. So Jerry Bolden. AJ Lawson, AJ Lawson. We'll have some open looks. Mike, you want to make your first three of the season? I guess we're thinking of puns. Keyshawn. Three Sean. You have the opportunity to make just your second three of the season. There high scoring be... game. It's going to be high octane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the difference in this game if Carolina wins? Guard play. Guard play. It's going to come down to if AJ Lawson can rebound and give him credit in the big games against 
outside of Mississippi State, against the Arkansas, against guys that are going to be playing professionally soon, he's usually played pretty well offensively. So um, give him some credit. I think he's excited about the opportunity, and I think if you can get more consistent minutes from A.J. and uh, Jermaine, that can offset some of the stuff that their guards can do well. Probably going to be an important Trey Hannibal game. Everyone always gets in foul trouble because it's college basketball, so what are Carolina's second and third options going to do? Jair, you don't count on defensively. Can no. Trey come in, make an impact defensively, slow those guys down? When Jair comes in, can he score more than he gives up defensively? Carolina's going to have to be sound on the glass, too. LSU does rebound the ball pretty well. They're averaging over 40 rebounds a game. I thought Carolina was a good rebounding team at just about 37, but LSU, three more entire rebounds and, which is also impressive because they're not a good defensive team, which means teams shoot a higher percentage against them, which means there are fewer opportunities for defensive rebounds. They offensive rebound the hell out of the ball. Best offensive rebounding team in the SEC in terms of offensive rebound rate. Sixth best in the country. Sixth oh. best in the country? Mississippi State was third best, too. Oh, wow. so. Okay. And playing Carolina really won the good offensive glass in that game. Yeah, so you're playing two really good offensive rebounding teams back-to-back. Yeah. Didn't kill you last game. Don't let it kill you this game. Yeah. If Jalen's back, that makes a, a big Huge difference. difference. Huge difference. Uh, what we learned today in the podcast, don't let Alonzo Frank play too many minutes because he's not going to help you defensive rebounding, and he's yeah. going to be minus 17 in the game. That number really shocks me. Yeah, three for a loop, didn't it? That's yeah. why That's why I hate plus minus on a single game basis because variance is so high. Mm-hmm. I think it's better telling based off of a, a set. Yeah, so and like, he just hasn't played much lately. I mean, yeah, I guess, and, I guess with... Jalen, I mean, that was kind of kind of it, and he's yeah. been starting, but like he seriously, he played, he started and played five minutes against Tennessee, right? Yeah, going into the game, uh, he had a pretty nice um, plus minus, plus sixty nine, but ah, that was yeah, um, he's was at nice. plus fifty two now after his minus seventeen performance. Wow! But his last three games, um, after since starting, since coming into the starting lineup against A and M, plus fifteen, plus eleven. Plus one, so he was he's been plus twenty seven his last three games. Hmm. Solid, solid, and solid. Not great, but he's not playing that much. So smaller sample size. What else about LSU? How's this game going to go? Carolina could definitely win it. They can it's, win every game. It's one of those where I think the Tennessee game was what two two with the first media timeout. Mm-hmm. Do not think this game will be 2-2 at the first media timeout. But just because you said that, it's going to be 2 to nothing at the yeah. first media timeout. And I'll still be right. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> that's, that's true. And I'd still be right. But this is going to be high scoring. This is going to be depend on South Carolina's going to have ample opportunity to get points. It's just a matter of if they can slow LSU down. Mm-hmm. And I think if they do that and you limit their second chance points, which obviously if you're offensive rebound on the ball, you have more opportunity. Limit possessions, limit the second chance points. You have a good shot to win this basketball. You would think that a team that's been one of the best teams in the SEC defensively for most of the season would have a pretty good chance to do that. Yeah. But what's weird is the the defense was the was the difference in the Mississippi State game. You score seventy six points on the road against a team like Mississippi State and lose. Yeah, that that I mean that normally gives you and a Frank chance was, to win, and they had a chance. To win. And Frank was very upset with the defense. He, I mean, he said our defense let us down today. Right, and and especially with his guards. And so much of this game is going to rest for LSU on the on the shoulders of Mays and of Smart. Yeah, and I think that the guards get so used to going back to Mississippi State for a sec to have Jalen behind them, uh, Justin behind them, that now they're trying to adjust to that to keeping guys in front of them a little bit more, mm-hmm. hedging and um, and Mike's guarding the four against Mississippi State, so he's not, not in the paint as much. Not in and, the paint as much. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you get Jalen back, you can throw Jalen at the four. Mike at the five, and then you have that little, a little bit more of a paint presence there so that if they do get behind you, you have some help there. But this is going to come down to guard play. Yep. If you can slow their guards down, and if you can get better play from A.J. and from Jermaine. And this is on ESPN, too. So, A.J., you still think you want to go to the NBA this year, which I think is a mistake, and you won't play in the NBA next year. You'll be in the G League, best-case scenario, but still trying to impress people. Or if you just want your parents back home in Canada to see you play a really good basketball game because you're on ESPN too, got a little bit more of a spotlight than you normally have. This is an opportunity. Have your do your do your Rondo thing where Rondo is bad all the time. I mean, not that AJ is bad all the time, but yeah. Rondo is bad all the time except when he plays on national TV. AJ got a little bit of spotlight. Show out. Yeah. Twenty five points, six assists, six rebounds, no turnovers, 
shoot the ball well, play really good defense. That's the that's the formula here. Guard play. I'm not reverse jinxing Keyshawn Bryant anymore. Do you want to do our reverse jinx? Is that your reverse jinx? No. That's not your reverse jinx. No, because that I we we've been doing this for almost a full season. I still don't understand exactly how we do that. Do you want a reverse jinx? No. Do Sorry. you have one? Yeah. Okay, give me one. No, I want to do countdown. Okay, because that's more fun. Yeah, it is. I had to explain it to Wes and Chris the other day because we did it on another Carolina podcast. A little countdown. I don't remember what 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 we were even counting down, but we uh, we stole it because it's such a good segment. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. No, I can't get enough. This is what I look forward to. All right. Um, three, two, one, then go. Right. Yeah, yeah. Three, two, one, then go. That up the first it's, time. It's I have not to double Keyshawn. check. I'll do it. Three, two, one. Trey Frank. Hannibal. Frank? No. What? Big bounce back game? You think? Yeah. Well, I think he's going to need to be good on the defensive glass. Because LSU's a good offensive rebound. Yeah, but he hadn't been. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All That's right. why I'm trying to reverse jinx it. Yeah. What's the over-under for this game? That's a good question. I still like Frank as an offensive player. He just hasn't been... I guess his offensive efficiency numbers have been good, but he just hadn't, just hadn't played that much. No. I, I want him to be better. I, I like the idea of having a more old-school back-to-the-basket guy like that. And he but, is. And yeah, but he just... I don't know. So I'd be cool if that's it. I think Trey Hannibal is going to be big in this game because of what he's going to have to do defensively when he comes in. And can he not turn the ball over? He's been turning the ball over a little bit too much lately. few too many freshman mistakes. Big opportunity for him to have a, hey, you know, I'm not a freshman anymore. I'm here kind of game. Yeah, I think. And this is one of those ones where you're going to have a lot of chances to get some defensive rebounds. And this is weirdly a game if you're if you're a Carolina fan that you probably want the officials to call it tightly and to be kind of annoying with the whistle. Yeah, because uh, that benefits you because you have the depth; they do not. I'm looking here, odds have not come out per Odd Shark. Okay, that's fine. It's normally like 24 hours before the game, so we'll get those a little bit later, later this today. evening. But LSU 11 and five against the spread. South Carolina 15 and 11. I think they beat the spread in Mississippi State. Were they yeah, five, and a, five half? and a half? So good job. Yeah, that that was the other interesting subplot in that game. Carolina was. Well, uh, I don't know where you're looking. Twenty wait sixteen. So they they were, that was twenty five games. So they were. Oh gosh, I can't remember. The point is, they were Carolina and Mississippi State were one game apart from each other against the spread. Yeah, I'm looking at an odd shark. Okay. That's where I'm looking. They're 15 right. and 11 against the spread. 15 and 11. So I guess they were 14 and 11 against the spread going into Mississippi State. Mississippi State was like like 13, 10 and 1 or something like that. Yeah. So Carolina. They were evenly matched. That and that's why the sky's not falling. Yeah. And we'll get to talk about that again in, in just a little bit here. But um, y'all go out to the Colonial Life Arena, have fun, enjoy the LSU game. Hopefully it's entertaining. It should be entertaining. Yeah. And don't complain too much if the officials are calling the game tightly because, again, that favors South Carolina. So even though it'll be kind of annoying to watch, it'll. It it probably helps you Carolina LSU in the long run. trouble, yes. Yeah. Read him on GamecockCentral.com. Please. Good piece up right now about Keyshawn Bryant. You mentioned it earlier. Give us a good quote from that. Go read it. Follow him on Twitter, at Colin Taylor with a Y. Tweet at him if you make a T-shirt out of his tweets. And if you are someone that wants to print a bunch of Mike Goatsar T-shirts in anticipation of his SEC Defensive Player of the Year award. If you do, save one for me. I wear an extra large. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you should absolutely get one yeah. for free if, if they they print one. Uh, yeah, I kind of want one, too. Give me a medium. At Pearson Fowler if you want to get me on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. We will be back on, what's the midweek game last week? next week? Georgia? Yeah. Okay, so we'll be back on Tuesday. Tuesday. Week after that, we'll be back on Monday. But next week, oh, we'll be back oh, on Tuesday. Oh. We'll talk to you then.